Hello, my name is Jupiter Hadley, and today we're here with another episode of What's Indie News. This is episode 8. It's going to be February and March smushed together because we've not had time. As always, I'm here with Kemp. Hello. Cool. And Joseph. Hey there. Yay. Uh, the reason we're smushing together two months is because I've been ill and also very busy, and I feel like everyone else has as well. So, yeah. It's very true. Yeah, I'd been both ill and busy, so... Same. That's just everyone's February and March. If you were not ill or busy during February and March, then you're not a real human. So... <laughs> what what were you even doing if you weren't busy or ill? Uh, something productive, probably. <laughs> Hiding under a rock. <laughs> Maybe. Avoiding all of the ill-productive... Well, all the ill-unproductive people. Anyway. <laughs> do you want to jump right into the news? Yeah, let's go into the news. Um... So, recently it has been found that the Scottish games industry has grown by 27%. Uh, So across the entire UK, there is an increase in those employed in the industry. But Scotland, long famed in the industry for a strong collection of studios in Edinburgh and Dundee, is growing into a real powerhouse north of the border. The Scottish games industry now employs more than 4,354 games professionals, according to new statistics released by trade body Tiger. The figures claim that 1,540 people were employed full-time in games development in November 2017, spread across 91 different companies. This is an increase on the 1,290 staff at 85 companies noted in 2016. Wow. So that's, that's more than doubled in two years. That's insane. In my mind, I don't know much about Scotland except Yo-Yo Games, um, their hub, they make Game Maker is uh, in Dundee. Oh, I didn't know they were based up there. Yeah, they're based in Dundee when I was looking at becoming the community manager of Yo-Yo Games. Uh, they wanted me to move to Dundee. Oh, not very far then. No, yeah, from London, not far. Just like a bus ride away. Yeah. <laughs> you could probably get a bus, bus up, but I don't know how comfortable it would be. <laughs> It'd also be quite the commute, guys. <laughs> <laughs> just saying <laughs> quite the just commute into work every day. <laughs> yeah no, no, just just a bus uh but yeah um so it's quite interesting to see that it's becoming more of a, a big games place in dundee there's a university that has a good games course oh yeah is it a game development course yes yeah yes it is Aberte, right yep yeah that's it and is there a, th- a lot of indie companies are starting to kind of base their sales up themselves up in the north? Well, I guess it's cheaper to be in the north, so it makes sense that they would. But I don't know. I'm trying to think. Yeah, of... I mean, I guess if you're setting yourself up down south, then you need to do a, a lot more to survive. Mm. Or just in any major cities. Well, that's true. Mm. Um, although Edinburgh's a surprising one, that would be cheaper yeah i don't know i don't know much about edinburgh i am sleepy <laughs> hi this is going to be an am episode. i boring you no i'm just gonna yawn a lot this is a preface hello episode i'm going to yawn a lot because i am a very tired individual cool good chat good chat <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's part of the news i'm moving on um next Order of business is Pro Builder joins Unity offering integrated in editor advanced level design. 
Uh, ProBuilder is a unique hybrid of 3D modeling and level design tools optimized for building simple geometry, but capable of detailed editing and UV unwrapping as needed. ProBuilder lets you quickly prototype structures, complex terrain features, vehicles and weapons, or to make custom collision geometry, trigger zones, or nav meshes. So I think this is something that's not been in Unity for a while, which is to customize um, things like collision meshes and nav, well, not nav meshes, but just regular object meshes as well. Hmm. And so now, now they have it, which is, I don't have to just keep using capsule colliders. That's good. I don't use Unity, but this looks quite cool. Yeah, particularly, I like the whole thing with them looking at a, I mean, it was a third party tool you had to pay for. And they sort of said, oh, this is this is useful for everyone and it's probably not worth our time trying to re-implement the whole thing from scratch. So we'll just buy it and give it to everyone for free. Yeah, I'm interested to see if they do that with In Control, which is a another plugin for Unity for setting up control schemes. And I found it, I've, I've got myself a copy because I found it vastly superior to Unity's inbuilt um, input manager. It's funny, it's sort of like outsourcing bits that they need to improve on and then just like, without even outsourcing it, just buy them and then put them in. I don't know. And hire them as well. Yeah. Smart move, smart move. Huh. Speaking about engines, I'm going to talk about the next one because I just added it now. <laughs> the news is evolving as we speak. Because <laughs> I remember things that happened. Um, Game Maker Studio 2, Game Maker being an engine I actually have used, has announced that it's launching on Nintendo Switch, um, which is a really confusing headline, Game Maker Studio 2, to launch on Nintendo Switch. It's not, the engine isn't going to be, like, usable on Nintendo Switch, however, you're going to be able to export Game Maker Studio 2 games for the Nintendo Switch, if that makes sense. So, Game Maker Studio 2, the leading 2D game development engine, has signed a deal with Nintendo, meaning Game Maker games can be exported directly to Nintendo Switch. Game Maker is expanding its already significant reach to developers looking to release on the hugely successful console that can be played anytime, anywhere with anyone. First launched by Yo-Yo Games in March of 2017, Game Maker Studio 2 has continual growth since its release and is ready to take another step forward by forging a partnership with Nintendo. So they're hoping that this will launch with the summer edition of Game Maker Studio 2 in 2018. So in the summer of 2018, they should be able to export games to Switch. I'm excited about that. I run Game Maker Meetup. This is important news. Yeah. I imagine it's pivotal for mm. you, really. I have um, lots of friends who are excited about it who are like, we're going to put a game on Switch, which is like my favorite. So... Well, yeah, there are games so like Hyperlight Drifter, um, mm -hmm. Undertale, mm -hmm. um, other Game Maker games. Yep. Cook Serve Delicious, Cook Serve Delicious Two. Oh my God! Yes, I love those. Those would be I fun on those. Switch. Well, yeah, because they're some. I don't know if you played the multiplayer for those, but it's no, fantastic. We should play sometime. Yeah. Yeah, I don't play games wanna... outside of work. <laughs> play games outside of work. I, I thought you were going to leave a sentence there. I don't play games. I don't. I don't <laughs> play games. I have someone play them for me and then make their opinions, and I just voice them. Yeah, basically. <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, Fake news. Fake news. It is. So I'm very excited about that switch. About the fact that Game Maker will be exporting their games to Switch is all 
But another thing I'm excited about, because I'm going to read two news things in a row, is um, Caffeine has announced that they're going to be um, using their broadcasting service to make more money for game developers is the best way I can phrase it. So Caffeine is sort of like Twitch in the way that it is a streaming platform where you can stream video games. Um, it's fairly new, as far as I'm aware, or my knowledge of it is fairly new. And they, at GDC, um, started meeting with developers to talk about how they're going to be um, better supporting developers. Uh, I'm just going to read a bit of their statement or whatever. Um, later this year, we will introduce a way to monetize that we think will be better than advertising and subscription models you've seen on other platforms. This new product will enable game developers to make money alongside broadcasters for the first time ever. Our plans for monetization aim to maximize the revenue for both broadcasters and the developers of these games while creating the best experience for our users. We don't want to create a monetization product that gets in the way of the experience. We are creating one that enhance it, enhances it. So they then went to meetings and did a lot of meetings at GDC with developers talking about how they were going to do this, but it's not quite announced. Um, if you've made a game that is fun to watch, uh, that is as fun to watch as it is to play, you should be sharing in the platform's revenue, is what they're saying. Yes. Hmm. So, exciting things. This might push it ahead of Twitch. I think it's a good idea. It's just interesting to see how they advertise the monetization to streamers as well. Because if they want to transfer trans, yeah, transfer streamers from Twitch onto Caffeine, mm. um, it has to be as... Well, I guess it has to be a very attractive place to stream compared to Twitch. Mm. I can think of a lot of ways that they can do that potentially. Um, they could have more conversation between the actual site and the streamers um more transparent ways of how they being more transparent with how they deal with monetization um but if they manage to play their cards right you're right i think they could be trying to overtake twitch mm. i like them they seem like a good bunch they seem more transparent than twitch mm -hmm. speaking of streaming <laughs> wow we were segueing this fantastically <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving it. Uh, Twitch launches the Indie Amplifier program. Um, this was mid to late February. Um, so the program named Indie Amplifier will allow Twitch Prime members to vote for an indie game before March 11th. And on March 15th, all voters will receive a free copy of the winning game. Twitch has also collaborated with production company Nerd Fusion to create a talk show which features Twitch streamers Simcopter1 and Dizzy Kitten streaming the title while members of Nerd Fusion, Giant Waffle, and Bacon Donut will interview the developers of the title. It's not just good exposure either. Developers of the top three games will share a $175,000 prize, which is a real boost for indie developers. The games that were up for voting uh, were Tales from Candle Keep, Tomb of Annihilation by BKOM Studios, Tumblestone by the Quantum Astrophysics Guild, Treadnoughts by Top Stitch Games, High Hell by Terry Vellman, I Hope by Arconic Studios, Shadow Tactics by Me 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 Productions, Kingsway by Andrew Morris, and Steamworld Dig Two by Image and Form. That's an interesting I'm concept. I want to see. I need to see if I can find out who actually won it because I, I tried to find that out because I realised it's already passed. We can actually look, but the only thing I could find was a reference to a 
live stream where they announced the winner. Oh, so they did it on stream, but they haven't made any articles on. I, I assume they, they must have published it somewhere, but... But it cannot be found. It can't be found. I don't know. I was just trying to contribute, but I had nothing to contribute. So Shadow Tactics is in the um, the games with Prime or whatever, and that's also in that list. So I wonder if that might have been the winner. Hmm. So but is that, Tales that, from that Candlekeep. Is an assumption. Sorry. So is Tales from Candlekeep actually? No, is it? Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? The game that won will remain unknown. But another news: Twitch Prime <laughs> subscribers will get free monthly games starting this week. Twitch has announced that Twitch Prime members, that is Amazon Prime members who've linked their Twitch accounts, will now receive free games every month as part of their subscription starting Thursday, March 15th. Free games have intermittently been made available to Twitch Prime subscribers in the past. Of course, and members can currently download Devil May Cry HD for free. However, it looks like a monthly selection of free PC games will now formally be included in the Prime membership package under the imaginative title Free Games with Prime Banner. This month, subscribers will receive Super Hot, Oxen Free, Shadow Tactics, Mr. Swiftly, and Strategy RPG Tales from Candlekeep, Tomb of Annihilation, with April bringing Telltale's Wonderful Tales from Borderlands, SteamWorld Dig 2, Tokyo 42, Kingsway, and Dub Wars. So if you want to get on some more free games to check out, link your Amazon Prime account with your Twitch account so that you can have Twitch Prime. Not sponsored. If cool. you're a, one thing I found out, if you're a student, then if you use Twitch Prime and then use your Twitch Prime, if you get Amazon Prime and use Twitch Prime to subscribe to other channels, you actually outpay what you paid for the Twitch Prime, the Amazon Prime in the first place. Huh. Um, but hopefully Amazon don't know that. <laughs> it's okay. Amazon's not, Amazon's not watching. <laughs> They've got plenty of money. They're fine. I don't have an Echo set up, so that's fine. They're not listening. Cool. <laughs> but, but then you, you can't have it just randomly laughing at you in the middle of the night. <laughs> is, that, is that what Echo does? Apparently. In the middle of the night, it laughs. It, it, it was a bug they had for a while there, apparently, yeah. They would just randomly oh my God, do this creepy terrifying. laugh. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, <laughs> terrible things. <laughs> terrifying. They fixed it now. <laughs> Alexa's fine. Um... Unlike Alexa, though. Uh, I don't know where I was going, unlike Alexa. But Congregate Alexa. has launched a dev-friendly digital games platform called Cartridge. Congregate says the platform is designed to help developers of all shapes and sizes find success, letting them set up their own pricing model, customize the user experience within the cartridge ecosystem, and tailor their store pages using a variety of tools. While the platform is centered on premium releases, it, all host, it also hosts free-to-play titles and ad-supported games. Players, meanwhile, will earn rewards by playing their favorite games and will also be able to collect customizable achievements and connect with other players using chats, forums, and other social features. They also, um, you can also go to their site, which is cartridge.com, cartridge with a K, um, and sign up for beta access. Yeah, Congregate's a crowdfunding platform, is it? No. Oh. 
Congregate is a web portal of web-based games. It says in it. Um, oh, okay. So yeah. it's got a web-based game portal, um, basically. So it's all browser-based games. However, I think the aim is with Cartridge, they will have a PC marketplace with uh, premium games as opposed to their free-to-play web-based only. So the, there will be some free-to-play ones on this as well that are like downloadable, it sounds like. But it won't mm-hmm. be browser-based free-to-play games specifically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that makes, makes sense. sense. Cool. Yeah. So Congregate have been around forever, haven't they? Yeah, Congregate have been around forever. So it's uh, it's sort of nice to see them trying out new things on the platform. Yes. It, I guess when, once you've been around like a decade or two, it's very easy to get sort of stuck into that rut of sort of what you do. Yeah, you kind of think yes. that if it's worked so far, it will keep working. I don't know. I don't have a reply to any of this. <laughs> Hi, I work for Armor Games. I don't have replies on <laughs> Congregate. What's the rivalry? We won't ask. I'm sure they're great. I'm sure we do stuff with them all the time. Some of the time, not all the time. Um, but with that said, I definitely have a cartridge pin coming in the mail. So at least is that. Yeah. Huh? I need more pins. You could donate to. I think you do donate to my Patreon. You can donate to patreon.com slash Jupiter underscore Hadley and uh, <laughs> get a pin. Do you have pins? No, you have I... badges. Okay, I have badges. Okay, listen, listen. First of all, <laughs> basically the same thing. Second of all, I'm going to have a secret, super secret, super exclusive, small run of glitter enamel pins, badges, glitter enamel badges super secretly that are going to be made good so this this has now been announced on the podcast oh well they're they're already being made but i mean i'm not sure how any of you guys can get them i mean obviously kem can have one and obviously joseph can have one (gasps) and i keep promising them to people so they're not going to be like they're just going to be people that i like more than the average (laughs) you see you're going to keep promising them and you'll end up with a run of like 500 of them or something um, well, I'm getting 100 at first. I'm really excited because they're going to be glitter. Eventually, I'm going to get, like, normal versions that are enamel that aren't going to be glitter, and then those ones I'm not. Like, I'm going to give away quite a bit, but the glitter ones I'm not going to give away quite a bit. Uh, limited edition. Yeah, that's that's the idea. They're, like, not for sale. You only get them from being my best bud. Cool. I like that. Moving on. <laughs> on to the next story. Um... Ex-PlayStation head Jack Tretton starts Indie Investment Fund. Former PlayStation CEO Jack Tretton and Studio Wildcard CEO Doug Kennedy have started Interactive Gaming Ventures, a company that aims to invest money in budding indie games. Interactive Gaming Venture plans to invest in two to three indie games per year for the next seven years, with each investment falling somewhere between $1 million and $5 million, depending on the project. Though the firm plans to work with indie games, Tretton told Business Insider that the company is primarily interested in working with studios that have already had some degree of commercial success and plan to launch games into early access on PC first before considering a console release. That's an interesting second um, requirement. It is, especially coming from a former PlayStation CEO. (laughs) Yeah. No, we want it to be PC first. Maybe they just want something access. different, you know? They just, uh, we're done with it. We were sick of consoles. 
They're complicated. PC's where it's at first for early access. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is true. Getting onto a console is quite the hassle. Mm, true, true. But one to five million. That's a lot of money for an indie That's... game. Yeah. That's a lot of money. That is. A, uh, and two to three of them for the next seven years. So they, they've they got a bit of money put aside for that. Oh, yes. Jeez. Oh, yes. And they, yeah, they do say they have to have uh, had some degree of commercial success. But whatever some degree means, I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess we'll find out with what games they start to invest in. Mm-hmm. What? Indie indie companies they invest in. Mm, yeah, fair. Maybe they'll be like indies who came out of AAA. Ark. Yeah, true. Awkward. Hopefully not, though. Hopefully there are some indie, I don't know, thriving indies. Yeah, maybe there are some indie companies that have released something before but are working on something new now. Mm. Speaking of grants and indies and money... The Witness team announced a grant for underrepresented devs. The team behind The Witness has put out a call for submissions and encourage independent game designers from traditionally underrepresented groups to work on a grid-based puzzle game. Well, to work on grid-based puzzle games. This is a great opportunity for any developers from underrepresented groups to apply for the grant, where three to six individuals will be awarded between $3,000 and $20,000 to use to complete their game. The grant is intended for developers interested in creating puzzle games that take place on a discrete grid where the interesting gameplay comes from unique rules governing the behavior of the objects. And by underrepresented, it's looking for like people of color or people whose first um, uh, language isn't English or um, people from marginalized groups or women, or non-binary people, or trans people, or LGBTQIA people, or disabled people, or people with mental health issues. Those are the, the people that they're looking for. Yeah. Apply for the grant. Make a puzzle game. I will then play Wait. your puzzle game. I mean, Wink. I'm interested to see what games come out of this. Especially having recently played Into the Breach, which is a grid-based game that's sort of puzzly, maybe, and which yeah. I really like. I'd be interested in having a go at it. I like puzzle games. Yeah, I do like puzzle games as well. Another thing that I know stuff on, <laughs> because the segue's got a bit worse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know things on everything, Jupiter. Okay. Uh, there was Okay, so obviously this month there was GDC which none of us went to and none of us care about. But there was also mm. not GDC and not GDC Jam, which we care about. Um, so not GDC is an online unconference happening the same time as GDC, which is the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco. And it was March 19th to the 23rd. Everyone is welcome. You don't need to fly anywhere. And surprisingly, the ticket costs $0. Talks and articles are contributed by those in the community and will be put online. So... There was a game jam with like 28 entries that I haven't quite played yet because I've been tired and busy. Uh, that's quite cool to see that, you know, there was a game jam. There was a bunch of themes and you could pick as many as you wanted, including GDC, not attending a huge industry event, fear of missing out, imposter syndrome, parties, positive representation of bees, loot boxes, poverty in modern capitalized societies, uh, anim animated gifts, and pigeons were all themes. And it was just basically not exactly a game jam, but just it's an anything related to the games biz jam. 
so you could put in concept art sprite it was great it was just a very open jam it reminded me a lot of the proc jam and it seems cool to have something for people who aren't going to gdc and then along with that was not gdc which is like a hashtag not gdc uh which was just a load of resources that have all been compiled um just quickly reading through the top bit when you go to the website um so these are like videos and talks and like uh like documents and like articles but a few of the titles are prestige is for people with money by florence rumpel uh postmortem dead girls in space by fenrelia i'm sorry if i've said any of these names wrong um another one's being bad at video games by allison tom thinking about your data by max calhill one simple UV trick for cyclical shapes with bends by Pat. Tiny Trees Postmortem by Michael Pierce. So there's just there's just a ton of uh, resources now out of this, and then some yeah, fun yeah. stuff like top ten gayest looks in Splatoon two by Jillian Walker Chuck. And, <laughs> and that's a PowerPoint of amazing screenshots, and I, I love just- them. I'm just looking at one now, which says put the put um, by Lucy Morris, which is putting the rad back in radial menus. <laughs> Wonderful. So yeah, you you should. Uh, a lot of people spend time watching and listening to the GDC talks. If you're one of those people who enjoy these talks and the amount of resources, and man, Kiwi's going for his bell, and there's nothing I can <laughs> do about it. If you're one of these people who love watching these videos and absorbing all of the information from these talks, you should also check out Not GDC and all of the, all of the stuff that it has to offer. I mean, there's there's something for everyone in there. Oh yeah, you got all there's... the sort of the really weird niche topics that that person just really loves, and you got the really high level. So this is how I go about making games, and then the really specific sort of this is exactly how I rendered a menu in this game. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So there's literally whatever you're interested in, there's going to be something there for you. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, perfect. That's it for news. We're on to indie game releases of March and February that caught our eye. Do you want me to read the first one? Yeah, I, I think you know more about Dan, Dan Dara than I do. Oh, very, very little. My life is a whirlwind. But anyway, the first game that we're going to talk about is Dandera. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it, Dandera. Welcome to mm-hmm. a unique 2D Metrovania platformer full of mystical creatures and boundless exploration. Defy gravity as you jump across floors, walls, and ceilings alike. Discover the mysteries and secret hidden f- and secrets hidden throughout the world of Salt and its diverse array of characters. Empower Dandara for combat and survival against enemies bent on oppression. This looks great. I like the pixel art. It looks like a very fun game. It's not that expensive. It's £13.50 uh, or 49 even. It's kind of interesting that it's got like touch screen. Yeah, it's, yeah. So, it's, it's, so I'm looking at it also on Google Play as well, which you can buy. And it's I'm just going to doing... mention one more thing. Have you looked at the Steam page under About This Game? Mm-hmm. Where it's I got have. an animated character bouncing around the about this game. Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> I like that. It scared me, but I love yeah. it. <laughs> like no, that's it's, what I, I saw that as well. I was like, wait, what the? <laughs> when did Steam get to... What? <laughs> Is the... I... Oh, that's not text. I, I no, see. No, that's not it's, text. It's an entire gif. Step it up your page game. Yeah, I didn't realise. I, I was sitting there thinking, I didn't think that Steam let you do that sort of stuff. It doesn't. Hacks. 
Hacks. Please nerf Dandara. <laughs> yeah, built. So they're saying built natively for both touchscreen and gamepad input. There's, it would be interesting to see how they pulled that off, how the two control schemes sort of compare to each other. Well, it's so it's got very positive reviews, a ninety percent on um, Steam, but on Google Play, it's also got very high score of four point eight. So it must be amazing well, on both. Yeah, exactly. I like it when ports from mobile to PC are good. <laughs> maybe, maybe they should do a not GDC presentation on how they did their input system. Maybe they did. Have you checked? Maybe they did. <laughs> Uh, should we go on to the next game? Sure, go for it. So the next game was uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance. I think a lot of people will have already heard of this, but if you haven't, uh, you are Henry, the son of a blacksmith. Thrust into a raging civil war, you watch helplessly as invaders storm your village and slaughter your friends and family. Narrowly escaping the brutal attack, you grab your sword to fight back, avenge the death of your parents, and help repel the invading forces. And... This game did very, very well, such that in the, in the within the first two days of it being launched, they they sold 500,000 copies. And as of the 29th of March, and since it came out on the 13th of February, it's remained in Steam's top um, selling games. I don't know what number, I think it's the top 20 at least. So they've done very well, and it's made by an independent studio... Um, I think in the area where it was based off, so the the actual game is set in an, um, somewhere called Bohemia, which I th- I don't I don't want to get my geography wrong, so I'm literally just gonna go check now. But yeah, it's um, it's done really really well, and it's also been a very popular streaming game as well. Looks beautiful. It's very pretty. But it also looks like the type of game I don't play. So. Yeah, it's so it's a hyper. It's not hyper realistic, but a realistic RPG of medieval times. Yeah, Fun. not really my sort of game. That's all right. Clearly, it's some people's game because it's in tops ten on Steam. Yeah, it's a lot of people's game apparently. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're based in the Czech Republic in Prague. The developers. Anyway, do you, do you want to talk about this yeah. next one, Jupiter? Onto a game that is my thing. Uh, the Void Reigns Upon Her Heart was just released. Um, this has been published by a new publisher called uh, The Hidden Levels. They are were originally uh, a YouTube channel. Let me just let me get this right. Because they're friends of mine, so I have to get this right. <laughs> so, originally a YouTube channel, um, The Hidden Levels have started publishing games now. They're a games publisher, and they this is their first game. It came out around Valentine's Day. Uh, it's a wonderful game, IMO. Um, an alien girl is trapped in a cave and surrounded by bizarre monsters. She cannot fight those creatures, but she can befriend them with the power of love. Every monster will react in its own violent way, but even the most powerful can be swayed by this ultimate power. Every defeated monster will give her gifts that make her love even stronger. Can you love? Can her love grow strong enough to fend off the void itself, or will her heart be broken once again? The Void Raids Upon Her Heart is primarily a boss rush bullet hell game. As such, there are no stages with small enemies to get through, only boss battles. So the weird thing about this is that description is like, oh, you don't fight, you love people. No, this is a bullet hell where you're shooting the crap out of really difficult monsters that are different every time, like you get different boss fights every time. And you're killing them. And once they're dead, you're kind of like, oh, well, they love me now. They're not hurting me. And it's it's kind of it's kind of twisted. And it's kind of 
a weird representation of hell and there's a lot more to it a weird representation not of hell of love uh, i was thinking bullet hell a weird representation of love and the way this alien girl sees love doesn't seem to be quite right and these gifts that they're giving you make it so that you're more powerful and you can defeat them easily uh, it's mm. weird it's so weird it's such a good game the game is currently in early access. It's £5.79, and uh, you should check it out. It's got cards, which um, show the different like new powers you get, the gifts, and stuff like that. I don't know. It's really cool. That, that is a really weird way to describe it, though, isn't it? She cannot fight these creatures. Void Rains Upon the Heart is primarily a boss rush, but it whole game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But looking at the um, the screenshots there, I I guess it's kind of... There's a lot of hearts involved, and it's all very bright and colourful. Yeah, I really liked it. I played it. You can watch a video of it on my YouTube channel, or, you know, if you're watching the the video version of this podcast, it'll probably be my video there. So watch me die. I die a lot. I also talk about how weird it is that we're killing people to love them. <laughs> this is not how love works. Uh, but yeah, the void rains upon our heart. Next up, we have Can Into we make Kemp talk Ooh. about this one? Yeah, me. Because hasn't he played it? I have played it. You I've reviewed it. it. <gasps> yes, well, I, I, I write it. occasionally. Uh, so, <laughs> Into the Breach. I, I'm leaving all that discussion in, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Uh, this is... Uh, I'll read the description. The remnants of human civilization are threatened by gigantic creatures breeding beneath the earth. You must control powerful mechs from the future to hold off this alien threat. Each attempt to save the world presents a new randomly generated challenge in this turn-based strategy game from the makers of FTL. So, they had a really cool idea for the... Um, so it's a roguelike, sort of. But basically each time you fail, you send one of your mech pilots back in time to try again. So you're sort of in this time loop until you get it right, effectively. And because you're sending them back, they can take some of their... If they're, like, leveled up, they can take some of their skills back. And that's sort of your your roguelike element where you can start out with a better set of skills. Uh, but that doesn't really overpower it uh, because there is a, a level cap. And if you've already hit that, you're not going to gain more skills during the course of your next game. So your other newer pilots are going to level up. So it all sort of balances itself out. But the really fun part of this game is that it's on a fairly small grid so chessboard size you've got your 8 by 8 grid and you have free mechs it's always free no matter what happens and you have new aliens appearing at each turn and you ha have to use your actions each turn basically in the most efficient way to avoid cities being destroyed and that's really really hard because you have very limited you basically you can move and you can shoot with each mech one time each per turn and so the whole thing becomes a game of how do you either kill these aliens or at least punch them out of the way so their attacks miss the buildings and i just really love playing it and i'm probably going on far too long about it here but if if you like things like advanced wars it's definitely one to try out and, I'll and let if you'd like you to hear more of in. your opinions, check out your article at... Where's your article? Uh, my article's over on uh, Kitsuga Gaming, actually. I'm sure there'll be a link around somewhere. But the gist yeah. of my article is that I really like this game. I'm glad that we found a game you like. Do you want to talk about the next game as well? I haven't actually played the next one. 
You haven't played it. Okay, I guess I will. Um, another game that I've played is called uh, Fugle, is how a lot of people pronounce it. I've been told by the developers it's pronounced Fool, but who knows? Um, it's currently been launched on Itch. It's been on Steam Early Access for a while, but it's now launched on Inch Itch along with a level creator. So, Fugle is a sandbox game where you create the story playing as a shape-shifting bird. Relax and feel the breeze under your wings as you glide seren- serenely across picturesque landscapes or kick up the excitement and roar up steep cliffs like an eagle. With no set rules, the free-roaming gameplay lets you discover the beauty and secrets of the world at your own pace and dares you to make your own meaning for a stress-free experience. So, they have like a biome creator now and they've got some tutorials on it where you can make your own biomes. I don't know, their biomes look beautiful. Um, oh, they and really it do. Seems great. This uh, biome creator is only for Mac at the moment, but I think they are porting it to Windows as well. Um, so yeah, make your own worlds, fly around as a bird. This game, even if you don't, if you're not interested in level creation, it's a really relaxing, beautiful, fun game that you should just pick up. Um, well, obviously you can at the link in the description. It's ten dollars nine. Oh, it's nine 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 technically uh, USD. Yeah, I really want. I really want. What was it? Fuel, fool, fool. It sounds quite fugal, but I guess the the devs know better than we do. They said it's quite funny hearing people try to pronounce it. Yeah, so I, I, can, I assume I it's uh, it, it's a word from a different language. I I assume. Yeah. I was wondering if it was similar to like you know choosing to say GIF or JIF, but actually because it's from a different language, the correct way is the way that the people who speak the language speak it. So, f- fool is probably how we should say it. Um, so, developer, trying to find out uh, where they're based. Um, I believe Gorm is one of the developers. He's currently London-based. Um. Okay. The other developer I met in Germany, and I feel like he was Germany-based, but not from Germany. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm just really curious where they got the whether it's an existing word or just something they came up with as a name for the game. Or don't know. Don't know. Because of course they could have just came up with this word and said the G's silent. Just confuse everyone. Yeah, they could have. M- much like the uh, the GIF guy saying it's pronounced GIF, which is clearly wrong. It's very wrong, but onto a game that's easier-ish. Joseph, do you want to read this one? Yeah, although I don't know if I can pronounce the name correctly either. It's Chuchel. Is it Chuchel? I have no idea. That's how I would pronounce it. Phonetically, it's something along the lines of Chuchel or Chuchel, um, but I wonder if it's Shushel. Um, But uh, (laughs) I'm going to do Shushel. It sounds nice. Shushel is a comedy adventure game from the creators of Machinarium, Botanicula, and Samorost. Join the hairy hero Shushel and his rival Kekul as they will be facing numerous puzzles and challenges in their quest to retrieve the precious cherry. The reward? Cheerful situational humor, wild musics and sounds by the band DVA, and dozens of hilarious gags that warm up even the coldest of souls, plus cherries. So it seems like a, a bit of a puzzle game um point and click puzzle game but i want to highlight the top the top review for the game on steam is that it says it's like a playable hug that's nice yeah i think it's a very chill game a funny funny chill game yeah it looks like it has a very unique graphic style which is something that i really like to see in games like it's quite different oh yeah it reminds me of something and i can't place it 
Oh no, it's not those uh, BBC sort of interstitial adverts, was it? Some channel had something in a similar style that ran between programmes, I'm pretty sure. I don't watch TV. Oh, it's going to bug me now because I can see them in my head, but I don't know where they're from. But yeah, it is a it's a really nice art style. Cute, and it's only uh, £7.99. I know a little bit about the next game. So Cube was also... Well, Cube 2, I should say. Cube 2 was also launched um, in March. Uh, Cube 2 is the sequel to the hit first-person puzzle game Cube. You are Amelia Cross, a strander, uh, stranded archaeologist who has awoken amongst the ruins of an ancient alien landscape. With the distant help of another survivor, you must manipulate the structure of this mysterious world and find a way back home. As you explore and solve puzzles to progress, thought-provoking questions about your true purpose and the origins of the structure you are navigating will need to be considered, forcing you to come to terms with a devastating truth that will shake your world. This game looks kind of like Portal. It's compared to Portal a lot, so I'm just here to continue to compare it to Portal, um, <laughs> despite not playing it. It's 19.99 over on Steam, fully out. I mean, it is one of those games where if you like Portal, you might like this. It's your first-person 3D puzzler sort of deal. Uh, no Portals, though. Uh, it's all about manipulating blocks to solve the puzzles. Portal without Portal. Um, I went to the Cube 2 launch party in London... It was a cool party. Didn't play the game. I've not actually played the original Cube. Me either. You're really bad. Whisper, whisper. <laughs> and I like know the developer quite well. <laughs> Ark. Um, Joseph, yeah. were you one of the people that I forced to play this at uh, EGX last year? I think you tried to. I think we because we kept running around looking at different games, we find it hard to pin each other down at EGX. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, I know you definitely wanted me to, and I walked past the booth quite a few times. So I think uh, Cube 2 and Bomber Crew were two that I kept dragging people over to. Yeah, you made me really excited. I, I really want to play Bomber Crew. I haven't played Bomber Crew. You don't play games, remember? I, yeah, I don't play games, guys. You don't play games. <laughs> uh, moving on to things to look out for. <laughs> <laughs> Tiny Build has announced six uh, Switch games. Uh, if you like Nintendo Switch as much as we do, this is what the release said. If you like Nintendo Switch as much as we do, you'll be delighted to know that this year we're going all in on Switch. We have just announced six titles that are coming to the platform very soon and more announcements are coming. So they have uh, The Final Station, Cluster Truck, Punch Club, Party Hard, which is one of my all-time favorite game jams turned into a, game jam games turned into a real game, just saying. Streets of Rogue and Hello Neighbor are all planning on coming out on the Switch. I've played three of those. Um, so Final Station, Punch Club, and Party Hard. I've played Party Hard to death, and I am looking forward to playing it on my Switch. Yeah, I think I've only played Cluster Truck out of those. Oh, I really want to play Cluster Truck. That's a good game. That's it another is... game gem game, wasn't it? Um, I think I Cluster don't... Truck was a game jam game. I think it was an in-house game jam game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, okay. it, it feels like one of the ones where they just said, let's try this out and see what happens. Always, oh, it's fun. Let's actually make a game out of this. But Party Hard was... Uh, the reason Party Hard sticks in my mind as a game jam game was it was originally part of a game jolt game jam, and it bugged when I was playing it. And um, the developers reached out and said, can you do a single video on our game? It bugged. You need more time to play it, blah, blah, blah. And at first I was like... Ugh. Because I don't like doing single bits. Like, that's not the point. The point is an overview of the game jam and then the ones that I like the best I write about. And I was going to write about them. 
Um, but they pestered me a little bit. And I was like, okay, well, it's time for me to write about their game anyway. I'll get their article out sooner because they've bugged me. And I started playing the game and I couldn't stop. I just kept playing it because I couldn't kill everyone. And I became obsessed with all of the different ways you could kill it. And then I was like, yes, we're definitely doing a full Let's Play of this. And then it was like finished and released. And they contacted me and was like, hey, we finished our game on Steam. And I've played every level of that game. Yeah. Wow. That was a good, it was a fun game. I did Twitch integration with it as well and really enjoyed it. Mm. It's addictive. So I think none of us have played Hello Neighbor from what I... From what no, I've seen a lot of people play it. I yes, I've not played it, no. I think it's been like a very popular game among Let's Players, as far as I can tell. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones where sort of the, I guess the story of the game is something you're meant to figure out by yourself. So there's been all sorts of theory videos and all that sort of thing as well. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true actually, I've forgotten about those. They, there's definitely been a lot of them. Next up, Blackout Club was announced this March. Um, and it is a first-person co-op horror game centered around a group of teenage friends um, investigating a monstrous secret beneath the skin of their small town. You and your friends must team up to overcome the powerful forces that are arrayed against you. Use, using tools such as drones, noisemakers, and grappling hooks, you will outwit and outmaneuver while attempting to obtain and record evidence that will prove what is happening to the rest of the world. With procedural elements that change goals, enemies loot, and more, no two nights in the neighborhood will be the same. I think I remember, actually. I think I probably found this on an article and I was very intrigued by it and it was probably because I've recently been watching Stranger Things I was about um, to say it sounds kind of Stranger Thingsy. Um and I've also had a bit of a a co-op co-op PvE uh, obsession recently mm. um, and so I really like the look of it it's like classic um, almost like classic horror like the original It um and more recently stranger things and i'd be really excited to see how this game turns out but it was announced this month yeah, it does look interesting um i don't like horror games i love horror games oh see, i love horror games first person co-op game looking at the screenshots and whatnot it's sort of giving me left for dead vibes mm-hmm. i've played very few games of this style so that's probably why but i I like Left 4 Dead, so I'll have to take a look at this one. Yeah, I wonder if because that you're playing as um, teenagers or children, then or teenagers, sorry, um, you might not really have the means to actually kill things. Hmm. Um, and it'll be more kind of since you're collecting evidence. I think one of the screenshots so a phone recording. Um, yeah. You kind of have to put yourself in harm's way just to get the evidence, um, without the safety net of weapons to protect you yeah actually yeah looking for screenshots the only weapon in any of them is in one screenshot and that seems to be a crossbow and mm-hmm. yeah no weapons in any of the others interesting mm. well, on to another game i don't know much about uh cultist simulator will be published by hun uh humble humble wow cultist simulator will be published by humble don't read this verbatim why not that was just me summarizing basically Ah, this this is so, not official press copy or anything. This is fine. I'm not going to read this out verbatim. Uh, do you want to talk about this one then? I mean, I can do. Uh, Why don't you do it? Why don't you read the thing and do it? Fine. I guess I'll be part of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, so yeah, basically, Cultist Simulator, which is a 
a game I backed on Kickstarter actually that is quite fun so far. It's a took a card game uh, resource management sort of thing where you're trying to build up a cult, uh, recruit people, avoid attention from the authorities, that sort of thing. And basically, they've announced recently that they're going to be published by Humble because they recognise that while they're very good at producing games, they're not so good at marketing. And they identified Humble as being sort of a, a reasonably ethical company with a focus on indies. And they basically hope that Humble can get the word out more about the game, sell more copies, allow them to work on future DLC, and just make a bit more of a success of things, having a company that knows how to do the marketing. Uh, they're saying Humble won't have any input on the game itself, so they won't be impacting the content at all. So it seems like it might be a good deal for, for both sides. Humble get their slice of sales, of course. They get uh, The course simulator gets a better marketing. Seems like everyone could win out of that. Yeah, marketing is always the hardest part. A lot of people think that you just need to make a good game and it'll be good, but not always true, ever. Oh, no. It's, I mean, especially given how many games are out there, it's, it's a hard task getting word out properly. Mm, yes. Yes, it is. And Kemp, actually, you're the one who provided this last one. Yeah, oh, Kemp gets to two in a row. So Wizard of Legend is another game that I really enjoy. Um, I I think we briefly mentioned it previously at some point. But if you don't know it, basically go and look at the GIFs or the videos because it's this sort of pixely wizard combat game, uh, sort of dungeon crawler style game. And all of the magic and the attacks and everything is just really amazing to watch. Like, you can feel the impact of things. It's just watch the gifts, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're, they've said uh, a couple of weeks ago that they're basically content complete at this point, and they're looking at an April release. Uh, obviously, things take a while to get through the system to get into an actual release. But they're, mm-hmm. so at this point, they're pretty sure about the release date and should be able to pick it up soon. Wonderful. I see exactly what you mean about kind of impactful, um, like great feedback on the magic. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, so full disclosure, I really like these developers. So I, I played it way, way back when they were still sort of playing around with concepts in alpha. And they very nicely provided me with a, a re- sort of pre-release of the game uh, last year sometime. Uh, around the time they launched their Kickstarter. And it's just so much fun to play. Go play it. Cool. Moving on. Moving on. Charity hype. Best part. Best, well, debatably, arguably the best part of what's in the news. Who's, who's debating? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. But maybe there's someone out there who who really likes the the things to look out for section rather than the charity hype. But they should prefer the charity hype. And the first thing we have um, was that War Chow's Armistice raised $260,000. So in 2017, World Child's first ever Armistice finished with $122,000. In its second year, the event doubled that total with $260,000, raised to fund War Child's work with young people whose lives are affected by war. 
The event was supported by Wargaming, Blackmill Games, slash M2H Game Studio, and Positech Games, all of which were involved in last year's campaign. The roster was greatly expanded for 2018, however, with support also coming from 11-bit studios, Game Loft, Focus Home Interactive, Social Point, Natural Motion, Creative Assembly, Big Huge Games, Flare Games, Mini Clip, slash Tencent, Digital Legends, Weird Beard, and CSUN Games. Um, and so this is a... War Child's Armistice is basically where companies come together to create content, um, things around kind of, you know, peacetime and... Um, is I, I don't know if anti-war is the correct term, but it's... Um, almost pacifist uh content mm. for people to buy and then when the money that people use to buy it goes towards uh the charity and so it's good to see especially things like wargaming who have made uh i think it was world of tanks uh world of warships and um world, world of, of planes. planes yep um also kind of developing content for that yeah, it was qu- quite the the mix of different companies there, different size companies from different areas, and no, exactly. Um, and that's why I remember. So, Eleven Bit Studios was one of them. The reason I remember is because they developed, they helped develop um, this War of Mine. Oh, no, oh, they yes. purely developed this War of Mine, um, which was very not very much not putting a positive spin on war. Yeah, especially with the DLC, the little ones. But yeah, that's some good good charity stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and also as well, speaking of, speak actually speaking of peacetime, peace and war oriented charity, the developers of Armor Three Bohemia Interactive raised over one hundred seventy eight thousand uh, dollars for Inten- International Committee of the Red Cross. Uh, the studio gave the humanitarian organization half of the revenue from its Armour 3 Laws of War add-on, which explores a different side of war by focusing on non-combat scenarios and teaching the importance of international humanitarian law, IHL. The IHL includes the Geneva and Hague Conventions, which forbids willful killing, torture, or inhumane treatment, and was put together to protect those involved or affected by armed conflicts. It's a topic that's rarely spotlighted in video games, with the most popular action titles usually prioritizing Hollywood spectacle above all else. But Bohemia says it's been blown away by the level of support shown by the Armour 3 community. Hmm. Yeah, very very much a peaceful and uh, pacifist message from charities this month. Yes, two very, very peaceful charity things. Peace is good. It is indeed. A lot harder to make games in a war zone. Yes. Yes, it is. Do you speak from experience? Oddly enough, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a game developer, so no. Yeah, I've never made a game, so... (laughs) Moving away from developing in war-torn places. In fun news, Google Maps transformed into Mario Kart for Mario Day. National Mario Day has been observed on March 10th after the realization that the abbreviation day MAR10 spells out the character's name. In celebration, Google and Nintendo collaborate in bringing Mario Kart to Google Maps on iOS and Android. I Just a fun little thing. Yeah, well, the reason I put it in was because I noticed it, because I, I, I have a car, but I rarely drive it. And it happened to be on that day when I drove it, and I saw like a little, they had like a little question block in the corner. And I was like, wait, this looks like it's from Mario, but it's on Google Maps. And I pressed it. And because I have my music quite loud in my car, which is probably a bad thing, 
I just had Mario just suddenly shout Yahoo through the speakers, scaring the absolute <laughs> shit out of me. And then he was on the screen. And I was pretty much driving driving a go-kart as Mario through the streets of York. Well, I'm glad you got to have that experience. Yeah, it was it was life changing. Wonderful. They should just do this as default. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I want is um, famous even kart games like Donkey Kong Racing and things like that. Just to have a, you choose a character as your marker. Yes, do it, do it, do it. Maybe they could even cycle it so it's just a different game each month. Yeah, do it, do it, do it. The only the only disappointing thing was that the um, directions weren't in Mario's voice. It was in the default voice. Oh, lame. <laughs> we'll voice the next month's one. Turn a left. <laughs> Turn the left. It is me, Rita <laughs> <Rina> Mario. <laughs> um, I'm gonna read through the first. I'm getting. We're getting really close to the podcast where I just get to whine about my life. So <laughs> you want to keep going? <laughs> Let's go. Uh, Celeste devs have released their code. The Celeste devs uploaded the player class that handles input movement, etc., to GitHub for other developers to look at, along with an FAQ covering some of the things they asked for or might be unexpected in the code. Um, so yeah. Uh, following that, Kyle Pittman, Minor Key Games, uploaded the player classes from Super Win the Game and Eponymous. So just some developers putting up their code so other people can learn from what they've done, which is a lovely thing to do, as always, sharing that knowledge. Yeah, I was. Um, I really enjoyed reading through the code. Um, I'm not a... So I, I learned a lot of fair bit of programming, and I'm not... I wouldn't call myself a programmer primarily, but it was really interesting to read through the code because i guess from coming from a, a, a definitely not a game developer or programming background it was interesting to see cert how the code was designed and i found it really helpful for putting it into my own projects so if you're someone who's kind of working into games or starting to program your own games and things especially with unity i'd recommend looking over the code just to kind of get an idea of you know how complex it can get um and that's just, and it's not as if it's like that was all completely planned. Though I, I very highly doubt that it was from the outset known everything in there would be there. But it's just kind of builds and builds upon itself. Mm. Yeah, I figure that this sort of thing could be really useful for, I guess, mostly new devs to see what goes into a game as well. Mm-hmm. So they have an idea of what they're sort of heading towards, as it were. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, all right, I'm sure a lot of people who are around games know that there's been a bit of controversy in uh, America with the White House releasing footage showing quite violent imagery from a lot of video games, recent video games. Um, However, Games for Change, which is a, I think it's a non, I think it's a charity that, or an organization that tries to kind of spread the message of the good that games can do released an 88 second video called hashtag game on 88 seconds of video games where they countered the point that video games are kind of just violent um sadistic fantasy power fantasies um for people and showed that hey look at all these kind of awesome stories and things that have been made through them so things like the witness um horizon zero dawn other things include Legend of Zelda, Celeste was in there, Mirror's Edge. And it's actually, if you ever feel kind of down about 
the way games are or anything, I'd recommend just watching this video because it's really inspirational at the create the creative power that games allow for people to express and the kind of imagery and emotions that games make you feel. And it's very good to have this sort of video that counters <laughs> what the White House is saying, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I don't know, America. <laughs> uh, yeah, video games are great. They are, they are. Anyway, we're up to your bit, Jupiter, now. Oh, we're at the part where we can talk about my life. Welcome yeah. to Jupiter Talks About Jupiter's Life. Do do do. I want a jingle now. Yeah. That was my jingle. It's done. In February, <laughs> let's February 1st. In February, I went to PC Gamer Weekender. I'd tell you about some of my favorite games from there, but I had tonsillitis. Now, let me explain. Tonsillitis is this thing where you get very much pain. You get pain in your mouth and in your throat, and it's absolutely awful. If you haven't had tonsillitis, you are a lucky person, and I hate you. I had tonsillitis. Um,. If you start taking medication for tonsillitis, you get to the point where you're not contagious. And I was at the point where I wasn't contagious, okay? So it was fine. And so I went to PC Gamer Weekender, but I was still taking medicine very regularly and also tired. And also, uh, my tonsillitis put a lot of swelling in my mouth, so my wisdom teeth were in, like, the wrong spot. They were pushing up through my gums, making my mouth a nice bloody mess. Um, bloody not in the British use of it. Bloody is in literally bleeding. Um, so, yeah, I was a mess for PC Gamer. And remember... Oh, nearly none of it, um, to be completely honest. <laughs> um, so that's one of the reasons why I kind of sucked. Oh, you feel uh, better now, though. I am feeling so much better now. There were a couple of games like Perfect Date I remember seeing. There was P-Cube had a bunch of games from there little group uh whatever cool guns of icarus alliance was there there was another game which i can't find in my inbox despite despite them definitely following up um and that was a game where you could kind of like build a little town i want to say and then you could destroy it and you could destroy other people's towns and kill everything and it was really great you did balance stuff. It was much better than I'm describing it. I was very much in and out of the whole weekend, to be completely honest. It was all a blur. Um, after PC Gamer Weekender, I then didn't go to stuff because I was dying. But recently, I went to MCM Comic Con Birmingham. I would tell you some favorite games from this event, but they had four. Really? Four games? Blink a couple or? of times. No, no, four games. <laughs> Jeez. And each game had a retailer space. If you're watching the video version of this, I will put a picture of me sitting in Quang's stand. I'm just going to quickly get it for you guys so you can react to it. Because these booths were the biggest fucking booths I've ever seen in my life. You could easily, easily fit four, five indies per booth. But what happened was MCM said, hey... We didn't sell some of these retailer booths, so what we're going to do is just give four different indie devs retailer booths for free, and then they're just going to use the retailer booth. But they should have divided them up and let, let more indies have the opportunity to showcase there. It wasn't, it wasn't fair, and more indies did inquire about showcasing there, and they totally, like, didn't do it. So I've added the picture into cast discussion if you guys want to see. Oh, wow. Yeah, you could have a dinner party Jeez. in that booth. Yeah, it's it's literally massive, and that's me sitting at a table that's like 
And there was four of them. I mean, those... Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> I feel like I in Somni, you could get at least three games in there. If not no, four. you could... Like, the table I'm sitting at, the table I'm sitting at is two tables put together. So you can oh. get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I'd say twelve if you want to do the same booth size as Insomnia. Six if you want to do slightly smaller. I mean, at least four. Like, I would have definitely divided it into fourths, at the very least. Oh, boy. It's such a big booth. It's such a big booth. So, that was a bit crappy. Um, but because I had two crappy points, I have two good points that are just kind of me gloating. Um, recently, I've been accepted into the Amazon Heroes program. I am one of the first three Amazon Heroes. Uh, it's me, Jupiter Hadley. It's Quang uh, DX uh, from Asobitech, and it's Des. What's his last name? It's Des, whose last name I don't know. Um, who's the founder of Altered Genie, and um, who does a lot of stuff for special effect and a games aid trustee and stuff. He's quite great. So that's all three of us. We were announced as Amazon Heroes, which means that we are partnered with Amazon, and they're going to help us make our content and do stuff for the indie community. So that's very exciting. Uh, how that's going to actually link into my life, unsure yet. Another thing that's just me gloating is I have been announced as a shortlisted person for the Games Media Brit List for the best streamer category. Please don't tell them that I am not a streamer, nor am I British. Oh, wow. Just let me, just let me stay. <laughs> Please, just leave me here. We'll keep it quiet. Don't worry. I'm clearly the best streamer who's never streamed, and also British media, American. It's fine. Everything's fine. Cool. Congratulations, though. Yeah, congrats. Thank you. I'm hoping if I just keep getting shortlisted for all of this stuff, eventually I can trade in all of my shortlistings for a trophy. Yeah, I'm sure Is that's that how, how it works? works. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you get you gain up enough like it's like loyalty loyalty tokens. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. That's that's all of my announcements. I've been dying. I would like Kemp to talk about how he's writing more stuff and where he's writing stuff for and like he's doing another feature that's like weekly, I think, on games that catch your fancy. Yeah. So a long time ago, I can't remember when I stopped doing them. I used to do the monthly sort of indie roundups, uh, which I guess is now this podcast for me. <laughs> Uh, but it was indie releases and news and that sort of thing. And mm. I've sort of been bringing that feature back. So last uh, Sunday, I well, I don't know when it'll be when you hear this, but last Sunday when we're recording it, uh, I did my first weekly indie roundup and I'm going to keep that one going. So yeah, Good. hopefully that'll be useful. And it'll, if you want to it, check that out, there'll be a link. There will be. Sorry. And it'll it'll cover different things to the podcast generally because obviously there's three people uh, covering the things they're interested in for this. So, Yeah. Anything that you've been up to this last two months, uh, Mr. Joseph? Um, that you want to gloat about or talk about or promo? Um, I don't really have anything to gloat about. I'm working on some papers. So I guess when those come Boring. out, I'll advertise them. Hey, hey, it's... Uh, uh, no, I can't defend those. No, you're right. Um, <laughs> Love you. <laughs> and I've also been... I've been starting doing, like, writing a blog on... Um, kind of... It's 
it's it's very s selfish it's just me talking about being immersed in the world of academia and games um and kind of how that's affected kind of mental health and creativity and things like that so it's if you're interested in hearing about my inner musings you you're welcome okay i may have to read that actually see how it compares to my experiences yeah cool. it, yeah it's been it's been fun but there's there's a lot of a lot of existential th things i guess that's that's the appropriate way that's an accurate way of describing the thing yeah the, i me i remember a fair bit of what am i even doing sort of <laughs> oh i love that in a phd <laughs> i'm glad that you shared though that you're sharing that sort of stuff yeah i hope that someone might read it and just feel a bit better even if it's even if it's laughing at me that's fine um i'm sure it'd be quite relatable for a lot of people in in similar position mm -hmm. yes yeah it's been nice feedback so far so you're welcome to read that I hope, i'm sure there'll be a link in the description as well so yeah i think that's about it uh thank you all for watching and if you're on a place where you could like or comment or rate like or comment or rate or subscribe or follow or whatever platform you're using i think that's it you can find me at jupiter underscore hadley on twitter you can find me on twitter at kemp plays uh you can find me on twitter at hesketh joseph cool that's about it thank oh. you for sticking with us while we almost die sorry one, one thing we always forget to say we have a discord oh shit we have a discord oh crap we have a discord mm-hmm you should join our Discord to remind me that we need to record podcasts and to contribute to our news. It's very important. Also, who doesn't like Discord? Remember how we said at the beginning of this that marketing is hard? Marketing is hard. We forget to say we have a Discord. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we did one episode where we mentioned the Discord like eight times, and then we never mentioned it again. It was our quota. Yes. This we is got our quota, quota in. done. But yeah, join us on our Discord. All right, that's definitely it. Thank you so much. Bye. See ya. Adios. <laughs>